What's going on, folks? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome into Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee sports and everything in between. I've got Brooks Carter, Chase Green here with me. We'll be discussing, after one of the slowest weekends in college football, the headlining games for week four. Got Notre Dame, Georgia, and Athens. Texas A&M's going to be taking on Auburn. And, of course, the Tennessee Vols are heading south to Gainesville take on the Florida Gators in the swamp. But speaking of Florida, there's a guy in the NFL out of Jacksonville who's actually requested a trade, and it's a crazy soap opera-like drama, some reality TV happening down there in real life. Are they going to play him against the Titans on Thursday Night Football? We'll definitely see, but we'll be discussing all those topics in full. If you are new to us, find us at chat10sports.com. Find all of our social media pages. Give us a like and follow and be a part of the community with us there. You can find all of our podcast feeds wherever you listen, and you can also read our most recent articles. But without further ado, lock it in. Make sure and subscribe, rate, and share this with your friends. But we hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, I'm glad we are. I feel like this week, I don't know if it's just been because the Titans lost to the Colts, but it it seems like Wednesday, it should be Friday or Saturday. That's the way this week feels. Yes. I was, telling, uh, I was telling Chase, just, I mean, this week's been rough. I've slept like crap. Our, our third born, our son, is, has been sleeping rough, so we've been up. And I'm just like, let, let it be the weekend, please. But how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm good, brother. How are you doing today? Good. I uh, I am recovering from some sort of uh, crud that I've acquired this week. So oh um, no, man, my gross. Yeah, my, my voice fortunately sounds better today, but I mean, uh, I also slept about ten and a half hours last night, so that always helps. <laughs> yes, got to get that view rest. Yes. Dude. I would have I would have broken out and just busted out in tears if all of a sudden Brooks Brooks is on the recording and saying, "Hey everybody, how we doing?" <laughs> yes, <I'm probably> <laughs> yes. <laughs> sound like Alex Jeff. Oh, it was it was very groggy yesterday. It was pretty bad. I believe it, man. I saw there's people lining up for flu shots everywhere, so I know it's that time of the year. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's already back, and hey, you could see that they're handing out free flu shots. They actually got like, a couple like emails from weird places i was like i don't do flu <laughs> yeah. shots that aren't that aren't free come on i've been debating like am i a flu shot guy because i think the last two years i have but i don't know if i'm gonna do it this year it's always that like roll the dice what are the is it gonna happen or is it you know you're not gonna get it or what whatever but um yeah. well, let's jump into this thing fellas because last weekend and i think we all realized that we talked about it but living it out, last weekend might have been one of the most boring college football weekends. I know week three typically is. Um, it was like walking through the Sahara and you're just dying for a good game. Um, I know – I don't know even know if there really was, and you guys might have to remind me here, just any standout major games because I feel like we – you know, I'm looking at – I watched a little bit of South Carolina, Alabama just to see what they could do. Um, but for yeah. the most part – it's just lopsided game. Well, Florida, Kentucky. I'll say that. I'm looking at it right now. Um, obviously, that was really that was really about it. Like that was kind of like the main key, as far as at least a prom top matchup that was actually close. Yeah. So I know I know I know Brooksy's uh, Bammers down there kind of rolled over South Carolina. Oh, so. I mean, I think towards the end of the game, the result looked a little closer to what probably people expected, but that game was a lot closer than I believe the final score indicated. Uh, Ryan Helensky, the mm-hmm. freshman quarterback, the backup who will be starting the remainder of the season, I thought looked incredible, looks, looked way better than the Jake Bentley we've seen the last two seasons. 
And, uh, I mean, the guy threw for over 300 yards against Alabama, something that nobody uh, – somebody not named Trevor Lawrence hasn't done in the last two years. So, hmm. yeah. It's pretty impressive to watch because, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. There, There's times where you look at it and you're like, okay, that's definitely not the actual result of the game, I felt like. But, um, yeah, it just it just kind of takes over and Tua looked really good. <laughs> Um, Kirk and J- that J- that Jerry Judy guy, he's pretty good. <laughs> Got some wheels, man. Oh, and he wasn't even like the main the main cog in the offense. No. I mean Devonta Smith, the guy who caught the national championship winning catch a couple of years ago. He's he's their fourth leading receiver coming back this year, and he goes for a hundred and thirty something yards Saturday. It's their yep. their offense is ridiculous. You've got an NFL quarterback with four legit NFL receivers, and I just think that. that is something that is insanely scary to think about. Um, and, th- and trust me, guys, this offense is going to have to carry this defense because they've got four starters out for the season due to injury right now. Mm. And Alabama's defense looks like they could get chalked up by somebody like Georgia or Clemson. Well, I wonder about LSU because, yeah. I mean, I know we've talked about Joe, Joe Burrow. I-, I was talking about him today. You know, Chase and I were tweeting back and forth with his buddy Chill and just talking about if this guy can sustain what he's begun – it's such a weird thing. I know we, we mentioned it last week, but to see an LSU quarterback sling it like that and they hang, what, 65-14 on Northwestern State, it's it's intriguing. Yeah. But I know it's always that rhythm of the year. Obviously, teams kind of get settled in and, you know, reality shows. I'm sure Clemson will you know, will become more dominant as they obviously get through their their cakewalk of a, of a season uh, in the ACC. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of intriguing quarterbacks, especially Jalen Hurts. Justin Fields is out there. Uh, what is this? Ian Book for Notre Dame. I mean, there's five touchdowns, 360 yards against New Mexico. That's the game, obviously, of the week this week for Notre Dame, Georgia. Um, obviously, primetime game. But since we talked about it, we started here. I want to go back to Florida, Kentucky, um, and kind of lead that into some maybe some, some ball talk as we get ready for that. Um, but with Felipe Franks going down, what was the actual diagnosis on his ankle? Did he fracture his fibula or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's completely broke. It's uh, it's completely broken, so it's going to be full season out um, with Trask taking yeah. over. And, uh, you know, I, I know Brooks talked about it last week. If if Kentucky would have just kept, you know, with the pressure on him, I don't, I don't think Trask is going to be this fantastic player. I mean, I, I think it's going to be – um, something that if the Tennessee front can really handle it yeah. this week and step up and kind of gel together for the first time, then, you know, I don't think he's going to be that great. I think Felipe was kind of a stick in the mud too. So <laughs> offensively, offensively, I'm just, it's not a terrifying thing, but they did come back and win because I feel like Kentucky sat back and conservative. didn't keep the pressure on. Yeah, they did. They just played, they did the whole play not to lose type of thing. And it didn't look great. It was, it was totally reminiscent of the last time the game was actually at Kentucky. You had a backup quarterback come in and bring the team back from behind and win it. It was Luke Del Rio then coming in for Felipe Franks. And, Jackson, yeah. right? Jack Del Rio, I mean, head coach of the, what, Raiders at one point, Jaguars. Yeah. It seems like forever ago. Wow. Del Rio was at his third school. Uh, but, wow. yeah, uh, for Trask, you know, I don't know if y'all saw this. It's pretty interesting. Uh he didn't even start in high school, guys. He was a backup quarterback in high school. So, wow. Like, this upcoming Saturday will be the first time he started a game since, like, junior varsity football. Hmm. He, uh, he he backed up Houston's starting quarterback, King, in high school. 
and somehow wound up. I guess the ten that's that's impressive if your if your high school has a good enough team to where your backup quarterback still signs a full scholarship at Florida. <laughs> wow, I did not. Yeah, know that's that. that's like trivia night kind of knowledge there, Brooks. I really appreciate you sharing all that. That's yeah. just like man, that's uh, it's an interesting stuff. I mean, it's again, that's some of these stories. I feel like what is it? What are we talking about? Uh, did we talk about Kellen Moore last week and his story of just going from Boise State and being on the Cowboys yeah. and now he's the OC and he's probably people are calling him the, potentially the next Sean McVay, but some of these stories you can't make up. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah. I mean, for Tennessee, Florida, obviously, I don't, I hope my, my expectation is, is just this. It's just go in there, give them a scare. And that's all I'm expecting. Just give me something, get punch them in the face once. Uh, if you make some solid contact a couple times, that's fine. But, you know, I, I fully expect them to, um, I mean, struggle with Jared Garantano. I'm still, I'm still great game against UTC. It's awesome. Get your confidence back a little bit. But, um, but my one question mark and Chase, you guys speak to this, Brooks too. But Daniel Batuli's back. Bryce Thompson's coming back. He, he'll be in Florida. He's just traveling with the team and whatnot. But, but what do you expect for the Vols going down to the swamp and? Help me, you know, get, keep my expectations at bay so this is not another long week of reaction like we've had it with the Titans. Yeah, so with Bryce, at least you've gotten some practices in um, and you're getting back what everybody thought was going to be kind of our only for sure, surefire, whatever you want to call it, um, all SEC personnel. I mean, he Bryce was going to be our number one corner and probably will be on, on Saturday. Um so you're getting back somebody that I really believe is going to help this team out. Now, he's also not played all year. So we don't know. You know, there's going to be a little rust. There's going to be uh, over, over hype. And his, his, his adrenaline is going to be fuming on, on Saturday. So I can't even imagine, like, the anxiety and, like, the nerves that are going to go on. But if he can get over that, which, you know, you hear a lot of football players talk, like, once you make first contact or something like that. Something happens, they just kind of snap out of it. So that'll, that'll go away soon. Um, but there's a lot of implications on that, and I just think that defensively, uh, getting Batuli back, you saw you saw this weekend. Batuli's not like this rock your world um, talent. I don't think. I think he's I think he's a good college player, good college player. But he's somebody that gets you lined up, and so that takes away um, Henry Toto having to make those calls yeah. and. That's um, so Toe Oto is going to be just the stud that he is. Um, he's leading our team. I think he's second in tackles and uh, first in tackles for loss. So you're going to keep that rolling. And now he doesn't have to be a, a general or a co general or however it was before. But two is going to get everybody lined up. So that gives me some optimism for our defense because I think they're going to have to put a lot of pressure on Trask. And um, like I said, I just don't believe in the Florida offense to just dominate. That's why the over-unders at 49 right now, so it's kind of low. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That means both teams at their max would score in the 20s there. So, uh, But, you know, w- one thing I'm interested in seeing, you know, talking about Trask, I mean, I, how many times – there's there's multiple examples of backup quarterback comes in, looks really good in a game, maybe brings their team from behind like Trask just did last week. But then when they actually wind up being the starter the following week, it, it all kind of comes back – you know, down to earth for them that they, they realize that, 
Um, maybe they're the starter uh, that, for the first time, and that takes on some significance uh, mentally that it probably never has. Uh, you know, there, there's a team's got a whole week to game plan for them, um, as opposed to yeah. just being thrown into the action. The coach doesn't necessarily have anything to game plan for. for uh, game plan for just ask Kirby Smart about trying to defend a backup quarterback coming in the game, right. and. You know, I, I think that's something that, as uh, for Tennessee fans, that's something they really need to focus on. Uh, and, and I think that is going to be one of the ways that uh, the balls can go down to uh, the swamp and, and beat uh, Florida is, is through the quarterback. You got a guy making his first start, as I just mentioned, first time since junior varsity that he started a football game in high school. Yeah. And I, I think if they can put some pressure on him and, and, you know, keep this game close and get in his head, then then that bodes well for um, Tennessee going down there. Yeah, for for one week, uh, you know, how many when would when did Felipe get hurt? Second quarter, I believe. Third so. quarter, it was third quarter. Third quarter, third like early third quarter. Um, so you get Trass for twenty ish minutes, something yeah. like that. How much do you guys think that you can film on that? I mean, is it just tendencies at that point for game planning? I, it's to me, it's the same thing, you know, and I'm not trying to tie everything to the Titans, but Gardner Minshew, you know, he's had some success the last two weeks, but most rookie quarterbacks in the NFL, they're going to be able to shock and all, and, and then people get the film on them and then kind of nix it. But this week, I don't know. I don't know. Jeremy Pruitt's got to, because you got to wonder whatever he did last week in those, in that time he was in, I'm sure they're going to try and cater to his strengths. That could be different to, this game plan this week against Tennessee, if that makes sense. Like they could prepare for one thing, it seems like, and it makes me think they could just whiff and Florida could make him yeah. look great if, if Tennessee doesn't get the uh, the scheme correct. But Well, yeah. and the thing too is, I mean, historically the last few times, the last handful of times we've seen Tennessee and Florida play, we've seen guys with, with the names of Treyon Harris and, Appleby, Austin Appleby, whatever that guy's name was, looked like yeah. All-Americans against Tennessee, and they weren't even that good of quarterbacks. Uh, I, I think if yeah. the Vols can avoid that and uh, and actually, um, you know, force the quarterback into some difficult situations, I think then that, that's going to bode well for him. Because let's be honest, guys, I don't understand how Florida has continued to maintain – this is why preseason polls are crap. Hmm. Yep. I mean, Florida was a top yep. ten team coming into the season, and just because they haven't dropped a game yet, and they're and they're somehow still three and zero, and even though we both know that they probably should have lost to Kentucky and could have lost to Miami, um, they're ranked ninth in the country. They're, they're the most overrated top ten team in the country, and uh, you know, honestly, personally, I would not be surprised if the Vols can go down there and pull off the upset. I'm not saying that they will, uh, but this game is going to be close, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, the four, the spread was wound up being fourteen. I think four, just fourteen even, um, which was kind of shocking to me because I just don't know if this game's always been a tight tight knit race, except for was it last year. So I mean, it's it's tough to say that this is going to be a blowout game because I mean you know fourteen point spread and a forty nine point over under, it's kind of a small blowout. I mean, it's especially these two teams. It's still a rivalry, even though I know there was some talk on bomb ball the other day. <laughs> It's like, is this still a robbery? But I was like, well, it still is because 80% of the games have to wind up being comebacks from somebody. Um, so it still still means a lot to these guys. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm with you, Brooks. I just think it's going to be it's still going to be a close game. Uh, I, I don't trust in 
the offense of Florida and, uh, you know, the offense for the Tennessee Vols looked a little better last week, even though it was against UTC. <laughs> it looked efficient. We'll take it. Hey, it's a, it's a feather in the cap in my opinion. But I, I, to go back to what Brooks said as far as, you know, we're talking about Trask, I think on the the side of him walking into the swamp as QB1 for the first time, and probably, I don't, you know, I know I was listening to somebody today talk about how a lot of Florida fans for noon games might roll a little bit later. So I don't know if that's going to give him time to kind of get his bearings. But when that place is packed out and it's loud and you're that guy and don't screw up, I don't know if there's the potential of him having his own kind of self-inflicted pressure. Um, like you said, Brooks, I mean, if this is his first time starting since junior high, I mean, that's, that's quite the stage to be walking on to. And, again, it's Tennessee – I'm sure they're saying don't overlook anybody, but for a team that's struggled for the first, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think Miami basically gave them that game um, in yep. Kentucky. Like like Chase said, they just played played a little too laid back and conservative at the end there. Um, that's my thing. I mean, even looking at how what BYU uh, upset USC or, or beat USC, um, it makes me optimistic to think, all right, there's a couple missing pieces for the Vols. Obviously, lining up against Georgia State was a massive issue. And, and Chase, like you mentioned, Batuli's back to do that, to take the, the pressure off a bunch of young guys to go out there and try and get the Ducks in a row. But to me, I'm going to probably go and I'm, like, like no expectations and whatever happens, if they can go out there, if they hang with them for a while and they make them look bad, whatever that is, or if the upset happens, I'm going to be ecstatic. And I feel like a lot of Vols exactly. fans are, are there too. So. Oh yeah, and uh, there's a there's a belief. Like I really do feel like there's at least uh, some optimism around the Vols um, because this is they're going into. I know it's the swamp. Uh, it's I don't know if you guys have ever been down there, but that is one of, if not the loudest place I've ever been in. At the way the stadium's designed, um, and you know you're just like in the crappiest city in America <laughs> or town in America in Gainesville. So it, it that place that place gets rocking, and they dislike <laughs> us as much as we dislike them. So uh, I, I believe that this is going to be a loud, fun game, even though it's going to be a noon game. Uh, we don't give the, the Gator faithful enough time to tailgate and get too rowdy, so that'll be a little bit of help. So we'll see. Well, and, yeah. and another, ahead, another, another note I had uh, about this game is, uh, you know, for this stretch of, of Florida football, it's not like it's been an overwhelmingly great stretch of Florida football by any means you've had some some turd seasons thrown in there from Will Muschamp and last year, uh, two years ago from Jim McElwain. And the fact that Tennessee has still not been able to capitalize on a really poor Ugh. stretch of Florida football over the last 15 years, because what it's 14 in 15 years that Florida has beaten yeah. the balls. And, you know, you, you look at your record right now, it's one and two. If you, if you don't pick up this game, which I, honestly, I feel like this is a game that that can be winnable for them if they're able to pick up this game and then maybe pick up Mississippi State. Then, to me, Jeremy Pruitt has resolved a miserable start and somehow winds up three and three to start the year, maybe as opposed to like uh, three and four to start the year, as opposed to like one and six. And yeah, then you know you look at the back half of your schedule. Everybody knows Tennessee's. Uh, the first half of their schedule is always front-loaded with, with Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Then you got Kentucky and Vandy and Mizzou at the end of the year. I think if they pick up this game, it's it's the beginning to resolving a season that could somehow get them to a bowl game when, you know, just after BYU, we were just sitting here talking last week that 
they might only win one or two games this year. Well, what does it look like yeah. if that does happen with, I mean, you know, we talked about Holinsky at South Carolina. If he gets his rhythm, that, that could be obviously a big question mark. But the UAB game, if they go a, a bowl, obviously this season's considered a massive win from the, way, from the place of where it started. But you go into 2020 and you've got a guy in Harrison Bailey and potentially other guys around him that are going to be coming in. Who am I thinking of? Eric, uh, the tight end down there with the Miserly Plan receiver. Eric Gilbert, is that his name? That's him. Thanks. So if I whiff on that, I'll, I'll look it up here. But I'm just thinking if they can get through this year and, like, like Brooks said, I mean, recover the, the, the bruises and get back on track and just make whatever they can out of it, um, it's going to start feeling like 98 to a lot of folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny, like, because it would just be you would get the six and six, but not in the way you think about it. So, which would be fine. You know, it's if you wind up getting, if you take one in Florida, you get Mississippi State, and then you go and beat UAB, and then you get two of the last four, you know, somewhere around there, you'll you'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, it's what's crazy is, yeah, it may not be the result. And I think a lot of people, if you'd have told people the wins we had last year with getting Kentucky, especially if you knew the scenario of how good this was one of the best, if not the best Kentucky team ever, and you go into Auburn, win that game, though everybody would have called you mm-hmm. a fool. But it doesn't really matter how you get the wins as long as you get them kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that's kind of if, – if he can rally up and figure out this season um, and getting Batuli and Thompson may be a nice gear for that, may help way more than we thought it would. So and what's see. funny, too, is if they get bowl eligible this year, they're going to wind up like, like Chase was just kind of doing the math there. That would get them to four SEC wins. And that would have them finish yeah. in third or fourth in the East, which is crazy to think about because it's <laughs> like, oh, well, you went you went two and two in your non-conference, but then you wind up getting bowl eligible by winning four games in the SEC. Typically, when you think about a team getting to six and six, uh, to barely getting to a bowl game, it, inv- it, in- it involves going four and zero on a weak non-conference schedule, and then and yeah. then scraping your teeth to get two conference wins. So. Um, if the balls are going to do it, they're going to have some impressive wins inside the conference. Yeah. I did yeah. want to uh, loop back around. The guy's name is Eric Gilbert, tied in 6'5", five, five star uh, out of Marietta. So who knows what, you know, if, if they get back on track, what it can mean for obviously Tennessee recruiting. But um, let's look more broad for this week four guys. I'm going to pull it up here as far as the scores, like we mentioned. Uh, Georgia Notre Dame's the headliner, but I think there's other good games that are going to be the early games, mid games before the prime time. If my computer will load up here, um, but let's see here. Yeah, what well, you've got? Um, you've got a good little slate next week. A and M and Auburn. I mean, A and M and Auburn. A and M. The three thirty game is going to be nice, and then you also had who's that noon freaking game? Oh, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, so you're going to have a nice little slate. I mean, two. You have. We were looking at last night. Two really good games at each slot. You know, you get your noon, your three thirty-four ish time, and then your nightcaps. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Saturday. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Obviously, uh, you know, for the early games, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm not anti Harbaugh, but he just seems like he just cannot get it going, man. Like it's been a struggle. Obviously, the, the, the transfer of Aubrey Solomon and other players that are trying to leave Michigan uh, that seems to be pretty complicated up in Michigan and Ann Arbor. Um, but Wisconsin, I mean, they're always in that range of having 
you know, a solid offensive line, a good running game, and who knows what happens there. But, yeah, it's it's getting to that point. Maybe I'm just coming out of week three. It was so bad. It's like just give me this good stuff and we'll enjoy it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I want to focus um, just just on that primetime game. I mean, there's a lot of conversations. Ian, Ian Book uh, has looked good last week in that Louisville-Notre Dame game a couple weeks ago, I think it was. I don't know if it was two or, or uh, week one. Yeah, week, week one. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was that first half was like this is why we watch college football. Um, I think Ian Book, uh, in his first year or two, I, I can't recall what year he is, but been a little inconsistent. And I think Brian Kelly's probably said more profanity than he's allowed to on a on a, on a Catholic team <laughs> sideline. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously in Athens, we all know Georgia travels, and they're going to be packed out in that place. But I'm sure, uh, you know, it's kind of the part two of, of when they were up in, in uh, South Bend just a few years ago. So what do y'all think as far as what do you expect and what do you think the outcome will be for that game? Oh, uh, well, for me, I think that this game is a huge opportunity for an early statement for Georgia. They've played basically nobody the first three weeks of the season to start the year. Uh, Arkansas State last week, they trying to – I can't even remember the opponents they played. That's how terrible it is. Um, their, their schedule's yeah. been so far. So th- this is their one shining moment here. Uh, Vanderbilt. They started the year on the road at Vanderbilt, um, but this this is their one shining moment to b- before they really get into a beefier stretch of their schedule to show the nation how good they are. And uh, y- you know, y- you look at at Clemson and Alabama at one and two in the polls, just above Georgia at three. They have each shown some flaws so far this year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has already thrown more interceptions than he did the entire season last year with five. He only had four last year. Alabama's defense looks vulnerable uh, much more than it has in recent years. If Georgia can come out and win by three, four touchdowns in this game, which I think they've got the capability of doing, then maybe we start looking at, uh, you know, sliding them up above one of those other two teams, Alabama or Clemson, uh, in the polls coming out here in the next week. Yeah, I I agree with that because I I do think this is a weird one because uh, I hate to be the sound like the gambler guy, but – Another 14.5-point spread for a top-seven matchup. That's kind of weird, man. Um, I don't think Notre Dame's that good, even though Georgia's also not played anybody very tough. Uh, I, I think this is really going to be a statement win at home for Georgia, and I, I, I think they're going to have to at least get that bump up, especially Clemson, who's not just absolutely dominated everybody. Uh, I mean, I know there was a, it was a nice little win over Texas A&M, even, and they got to get the little – A&M wound up getting that touchdown towards the end to make the score a little closer, but I just never thought it was just an absolute dominant performance all around. Um, so if Georgia comes out, like you said, wins about three or four touchdowns, man, and just routes Notre Dame, which I do think they will, I, I think it's going to be like a 21-point win, um, especially in, in Georgia yeah. and Athens. Yeah. That, play, that, play, that place at 8 a.m. is going to be <laughs> an absolute nut house. I, I can't even imagine how much fun that place would be if they win. But, uh, yeah, I, I do I think that could wind up being a, you know, move them up to a, Two, maybe a one spot if they win significantly this weekend. I'm gonna look up the uh, I'm gonna look up the weather here in Athens on Saturday. It's gonna be a high of 86, low of 58. I just want to be able to say, all Bulldog fans out there, if you start that early, hydrate, <laughs> please. Yes. As somebody who sat in Nissan Stadium last week, man, we, I didn't even go out and tailgate or drink or anything crazy. Maybe had one beer before the game, sat in that stadium, and just cooked. 
it was uh, it was pretty brutal. So all those uh, tailgaters anywhere in the country, make sure to hydrate this week because it ain't going down. Oh yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be just the classic, just two powerhouse teams. Obviously, um, I, I I just want to see what happens. I have I've like y'all said, you guys kind of summarized for both teams. Um, sometimes I just don't know what to expect from from you know from Notre Dame if it's going to be. You know what they've been able to do the last few weeks. My brother and his father-in-law are are kind of both Notre Dame fans. They watch them together, and oh, it's going to be a tight one. I think Notre Dame can actually, you know, beat them down. And I'm just like, you know, I I can't get behind it until I see it actually happen. Obviously, but but yeah, let's uh, let's look at some other games here for this next week. I know we we mentioned the others, and then we can move on to maybe some NFL. Um, that Wisconsin, Michigan. I mean. What what are you thinking for Harbaugh? What does it mean for him right now and his his tenure and his and his I guess stint in Michigan? Is there any potential of him being on a hot seat? And this is just I mean my plain curiosity because it seems like he's not he's not beat Ohio State yet. Uh, has he lived mm-hmm. up to the hype there? Um, well, I actually heard a really good argument. Uh, we're Nick and I were talking about this on the Revolution Network podcast. It's funny because Harbaugh is not in that elite level to me or even like that really close. Like Lincoln Rally is probably – I guess you have to put like Saban and um, – oh, gosh, I just blanked. Clemson coach. Dabo. 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 Yeah, goodness gracious. Thanks, boys. Um, but, yeah, and then you have to put Lincoln right below that. Kirby's right there. And then I think it is Harbaugh, even though like the only thing he's not done – is beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. and I. It's just really hard to put him on a hot seat because, who the heck else are you gonna get? You guys, do they remember the Brady Hoke years in Michigan? I mean, I get it. Like offensively, I feel like those quarterbacks go to go to Harbaugh sometimes, go up to Michigan and just suck. Like because they, I mean, they had two two five stars, and they're just they just don't capitalize. I, I don't I don't get it. But um, I really think this is a much needed win in Wisconsin, even though that running back factory, Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be another stud that winds up going to the NFL and doing well. Uh, so defensively, you always hear about how good Michigan is. So I think think this really needs to be a good win for Harbaugh because I think if you start losing a couple games, especially Wisconsin or somebody else, that's when he can start to fall because he's not beat Ohio State. There's The standard is the weird standard for Michigan. So it's kind of like Vol fans. We believe that we are top-tier program all the time. And if you don't if you don't continue to win and beat good teams, then see you later. Yeah, we'll find somebody else. Well, and, and the thing too, when it comes to Harbaugh, I think it absolutely he is underachieved uh, by the standards. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, uh, at any given point when he's been up there, has either been like the highest paid or a top three highest paid coach in college football, and he hasn't yeah. he hasn't even won his division yet, and he's been there like five years. Um, yep, he he's. As we've mentioned, it's well noted he hasn't beat Ohio State. Uh, I still don't know if he's got a winning record against Michigan State. And, you know, this is supposed to be the year. Uh, You you brought in Shea Patterson last year as a transfer. He was a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. He was a guy who was supposed to be, you know, awesome. And we saw glimpses of it at Ole Miss. And, honestly, I don't feel like we've seen really anything overwhelmingly great from him since he's been – with the Michigan Wolverines up there. And, and Harbaugh is supposed to be this QB guy. You know, we all know we play quarterback in the NFL. 
and you start looking yep. at this schedule that they've got coming up. They, they're coming off a double overtime win against Army, which no, nothing against them. They've been <laughs> fantastic the last couple of years, won 10 games last yeah. year. Um, but you're on the road at 13th, uh, 13th ranked Wisconsin. Listen to what they've got coming up in the next like handful of games after that. Iowa at home, 18th ranked in the country. That team's always a difficult team to beat. They're on the road at Penn State uh, two weeks later, and then the week after that, they've got number seven Notre Dame at home. So this is a, a very tough stretch of schedule they got coming up in the next month and a half. And if they drop this game, I mean, this is a team that we're, we're talking about Harbaugh, if, if he getting into the playoff or something like this this year, if they lose this game, all bets are off. I mean, I could see them dropping yeah. two or three more games this year. Remind yeah. me of when did Harbaugh get hired in at Michigan? It was uh, – he spent one more year in San Francisco after making the Super Bowl, and so I think he's been there since uh, either 2013 or 14. Okay, so right yeah, now – Yeah, I, th- I think this is his fifth year, okay. right? So I've got it pulled up, and let's see, 13, 14, 15, Michigan State. Michigan won in 16, 17, Michigan State. And 18. So Michigan State has the better of him by two games right now. Yeah, and they're and they're 30 years behind in football. Yeah, like in scoring. God bless that last week. Ooh. So I mean, yeah. obviously the rivalries are not going his way, but it's just a curious thing because obviously, I mean, what he did in the NFL, even before that, was at Stanford. I mean, Stanford. I watched them a little bit Saturday, and it's just like, man, I hope the best for David Shaw. But I mean, it's they're they're falling back into the, you know, academic powerhouse. We're okay with being in this place yeah. uh, in, in our football program. We might make some money, but we all know why we're actually here. But, um, but yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll be a, a good fun watch. But any other, any other college topics y'all want to hit before we move on? Uh, what about uh, the implications of Auburn, Texas A&M? I mean, that's, does that wind up being your, your third team in the SEC West, which would be a number two in the East? <laughs> Uh, Kellen, Ma- Kellen Mond. Well, the thing about this game is, you know, this is each team's first SEC game. So, um, you know, I think either of these teams is thinking we win this game, we're the top challenger to Alabama. I don't, I don't think by any means they're saying LS. I mean, LSU's ranked higher than Auburn and A and M right now. Yeah. But both of these teams have exceptional defensive lines. Auburn's is the best in the country. Uh, you know, their quarterback, they've continued to break him in uh, and get him more reps there. And, you know, I, I, I just think that this game is also hugely impactful for the head coaches. Uh, I don't know if you saw the reports this week. Uh, apparently there's rumors that uh, the richest man in the state of Alabama, who is an Auburn alum uh, and an Auburn booster, has – uh, reached out to Bob Stoops about trying to money whip him and get him to come to Auburn in case things Ooh-hoo. don't work out. And it's like your team's three and zero and ranked eighth in the country, and you're and you're already talking about trying to replace your head. I I, I don't know what Gus Malzahn has to do. Right. I mean, it's like it's like he's constantly on the hot seat. It's like he can't do anything good enough because of the man, the other man in the state um, that happens to be Nick Saban. So uh, and, and, then, yeah. and then for Texas A and M, they they have. They've spent all this money on on bringing Jimbo Fisher, and for for me, I know it's only you know fifteen games into his tenure there now, but this is a huge opportunity to to really show out to the fans and say, hey, we're on the right path. We're going to get to ten wins this year. Yeah, that's definitely a key for them. I, and like you said with Auburn, it's funny how Gus 
always finds that one key or two key wins in a season. And he'll win nine games and have two big monster wins. And he just keeps his job for two more years because of those. You're just like, I, I don't get it. I don't know how he just keeps rallying back. Um, but I, I think that's actually going to be – that winds up being the closest game, probably the best game of the weekend. That's the only reason I kind of picked that one out. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Um, I don't think it's going to be super high scoring, but I do think it'll be a fun defensive game. You got some NFL talent on the field. And like you said, it, it means a lot because Jimbo, Jimbo really needs to show something especially in a statement game like this at home, get that crowd rolling. So it's going to mean a lot for him. That's, that's, it blows my mind as far as Gene Chizik. Because I feel like this is what his second, third time being like on the brink of being out. And I mean – Gus Miles on. Sorry, sorry. Yes. I'm, I'm too, many, too many years behind. Again, <laughs> long week. But, uh, but yeah, I mean just for – this is what makes this is what makes college football so crazy to me. I mean – you have the front offices for the NFL, but in anywhere in the country, I think Chase and I were sitting in Neyland Stadium a couple of weeks weekends ago and just thinking, this is happening, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of places across the country right now with all their fans. But anyways, yeah, that's, that's just another another page of the uh, the soap opera drama that is college sports. And um, But yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Chase, like you said, man, I think this one could be – just the old traditional SEC game where, um, I mean, you just you just watch and you're in awe. I think, uh, like y'all were saying, too, if, if the Georgia-Notre Dame game does go the way y'all think, might be a little less intriguing, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, let's, let's yeah. move on to some NFL talk here. Obviously, uh, a guy down south in Jacksonville has, has stirred up some uh, some dirt in his head coach and the, yeah. the whole organization just looks to be uh, just an absolute – joke right now i'm thinking if the guy's requesting a trade for one uh he's probably not playing tomorrow night against the titans on thursday night football but today doug maroon comes out and says he is going to play he'll be suiting up uh which i'm thinking at the same time as a team for whatever trade value that he has why would you start him and risk the injury and losing that trade value because we all know I mean, Jacksonville losing Nick Foles, what are they going to be now? But there's obviously other needs on that team, especially if they were to ship out Jalen Ramsey. Um, but, yeah, what do you think of Jalen Ramsey as a player? Do you think there's any chance? Uh, I mean, where does he end up in, my, you know, in, in you guys' opinions? And then what is Jacksonville doing just overall? <laughs> it's going to be scratching my uh, head. I think – I think it really is just a petty, petty move on Jacksonville's part to play him. It makes no sense. Like you said, the, what are you doing with the trade value? Like if he gets hurt tomorrow in a rivalry game on a Thursday night, we always know how these Thursday night games go. They're always ugly and sloppy, and the sloppiness leads to really dumb decisions. And why would you want to risk him unless it's just at a pure ego and pettiness, which it kind of looks like that is, and supposedly – just from the looks of it on watching the video, so whatever Doug said, Doug Marone came over and said to him to cause this stir was probably something petty and a little bit over the line. So, and I, and I understand what Jalen's personality is. I mean, he's just always been that guy that blows smoke, but he's backed it up in a lot, a lot of ways. I mean, he is literally probably the best corner in the, in the NFL, um, locking up man to man. I mean, you know, did a good job on DeAndre Hopkins last week. I mean, when you limit that guy without a touchdown and only four or five catches, it's pretty impressive. Um, so it's it's one of those that if you're wanting the first-round value, 
probably a first round plus insert whatever else like for him because if you're if you're a team you need you got a need and corners one of those needs yeah send a first rounder I mean you just saw what Pittsburgh did mm-hmm. they sent a fir- first rounder for Mika, Fitma- Mika Fitzpatrick so imagine what you're going to get for Jalen Ramsey so I I just don't really know what they're doing what their thought process is unless it's just a pure pettiness and you know it's just male ego and NFL and I get that I know that's a huge part of it so we'll see well, the, the, the New Orleans Pelicans continued to play Anthony Davis after all that crap happened down there last year, uh, which I always yeah. found pretty surprising considering uh, the trade demands that he had. Um, so maybe this is a similar situation where ownership and the head coach is like, we know you're not going to be here, but you're one of our best players, so we're just going to make you play anyways. So yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think it is an ego thing. I think it's um, it, it's just a, a constant thing of, where head coach thinks that he's more important and valuable to the organization than any said player can be. And the player just doesn't, if it's a player of um, the the capability and the ego of Jalen Ramsey, he's never going to believe that himself. So uh, it's, it's just butting heads. And this is one of those interesting games coming up this week against the Titans where uh, it, it feels like the Titans should be able to go down there with all the ruckus that's going on and be able to handle things. Uh, to get to two and one, which, by the way, if they can somehow come out of of the first four games of the season without Taylor Lewan at left tackle and be two and one or three and one, um, I think that's incredible. Um, But for the Jaguars, it's or with the Titans, we've just seen them be so inconsistent over the last decade that I still am just kind of like, ah, ah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's always tough because. This is another one that we've kind of owned Jacksonville. I think mm-hmm. this Titans team is perfectly built to beat them. So it's always nice to have somebody like Derrick Henry who does well against them and probably will because he'll, he'll need 25 carries this week. And, you know, I know you talked about it a lot last night, Trey. So we'll see kind of how do you feel about it. I think as far as – I mean, obviously some Titans fans are saying bring Jalen home because he went on busting with the boys and said my two ideal spots are Nashville and Las Vegas with the Raiders. But, I mean, for the simple sake of – you know, just to talk some Titans for a second, the simple sake of Marcus Mariota's situation, there's no chance in hell that the Titans give up any draft capital, um, you know, for Jalen Ramsey. Would I love to have him if we had a – if we had a guy that could – you know, that was locked in at quarterback. I would – yes, absolutely I would. I don't care that he's yeah. abrasive. I think that like um, I was watching earlier, I'm going to draw a blank on his name, but it was NFL Network. Um, who's the receiver that wore the hoodie in, in Green Bay was Aaron Rodgers? James Jones? I, I, the, I, uh, Jennings? Yes, one of those guys. was yeah. just basically talking Greg about Greg Jennings. Hey, yeah. Greg Jennings, yeah. Uh, there are times that these players and coaches, they get so competitive. They've given so many hours in a specific week that they get into it. It happens. I mean, there's been times that I'm sure all three of us at, at, you know, at certain points get into it with somebody, and it's not broadcast on national TV. I think somebody else was saying, too, you have to be in a different state of – it was Delaney Walker. Different state of mind to play this game. And when you're on that field, you have to be that guy, you know a different person. So we've all seen the photos this offseason of, of Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard, and Jalen Ramsey working out, and that's where the the intrigue started. Um, but I, I think there's no way that Jacksonville trades their the best receiver or cornerback uh, in the NFL to their division rival. Um, nope. 
But, yeah, as far as tomorrow night, I mean, like you said, Chase, just feed Derrick Henry. Marcus Mario to play his role. Don't mess this thing up. And we, we should be we should be looking good. But um, but to me, I mean, Amanda's my wife's cousin is a huge Jaguars fan, and we always talk a little smack and we get together. But we all, it's all it's all good and fun. They they are so far off the bar, and I think uh, plenty of people have talked about it. But the intention of bringing Nick Foles in for them was to be able to establish some leadership in the locker room because there are so many alphas in that locker room. Um, I mean, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe, there's Calais Campbell's pretty, you know, he seems to be pretty laid back. Um, but it's kind of a blank show, if you will. I mean, I, I guess I can say it. We're on a podcast, but it's kind of a shit show down there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to summarize that, I'm, I'm obviously a little long-winded there, but it's just one of the more complex situations. Um, but again, I it, I don't understand why Jaguar the Jaguars, especially in a game where I believe AJ Bouye, he's been out the last couple of weeks, he might be back. Why would you start him? Yeah, and it's Marcus Mariota. He's not gonna he's not gonna be a deep threat on you. No, um, I think Jalen is like the perfect example, like where women are have the crazy hot scale. Like you know, as far as is, is she hot enough to be that crazy? I think Jalen's kind of like that one crazy hot girl. Like she, he's worth a lot to put up with because he's so good. You know, he's the dom piece, but that, you know, you could wake up and she's just crazy and like has a pillow over your face. You don't know. That's Jalen Ramsey. He's a little crazy. He's a little fun. Um, he's going to talk all the trash. He's going to throw everybody under the bus with no real facts to back it up and call everybody terrible and then make horrendous takes. Um, but then he goes out on the field and shuts everybody down. Right. So it's uh, it's funny because, you know, he was always talking about how he shut Gronk down in the AFC championship or whatever. That No, the, it was the regular season game they played against the Patriots that they did well. And uh, and they were like, well, actually, you only covered him like six times out the, throughout the whole game. But <laughs> still, it's he, he's he's a little bit he's a little bit of a nutcase sometimes, but it, he's worth it. And I, but like you said, if we. I just don't think the Titans are going to trade up for it or trade to him. And I don't think Jacksonville would. And everybody's like, well, they're, they're so far gone from their race right now that they don't really matter as long as they get something back. I still don't think they want to play that guy twice a year for the next four or five years. Oh, dude, could you imagine, like, <laughs> could you imagine if, if Nick Foles comes back and he's, you know, Jalen Ramsey's a Titan, if he picked him off and had a pick six, like, he would start Dion high stepping at the thirty or forty yard line. <laughs> yep. Oh, dude, it'd yep. be great to watch. But yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance. But no. Um, looking at some other games here, obviously, I think Chase, we both saw on Twitter today. There was a tweet going around saying, "Hey, NFL, can we go ahead and bump up the Ravens versus Chiefs game this week, please?" Because two and O teams. Lamar Jackson's been hot. You know, Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, but uh, going to be a fun one to watch there. Um, any other broad, I mean, as far as just NFL talk going through this thing, because I know um, Miami Dolphins, God bless them, they're playing the America's team and the Cowboys in Dallas. What do you do if you're the GM of the Dolphins right now? Because you've got quite a few draft picks stockpiling up in, in the in the office there with you, uh, with losing Laramie Tunsil. Obviously, like you said, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is gone. Um, are you actually is, – is this actually a tanking for Tua situation? Uh, GM Brooks Carter, what do you think, buddy? 
Oh, I, I think it obviously is. Uh, I mean, you've acquired now five of what's probably going to wind up being the top, like, 65 picks in the draft next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that is a ton of equity in the draft coming up. And why not? I mean, you've, you've already gotten embarrassed twice to start the season, and you've got players kind of checking out. I mean, I feel sorry for uh, the Dolphins players who are actually, you know, they're, they're sitting here looking at it, and, and they're trying to invest their time and effort into this team and this organization and what is their career, realizing there's 14 more games left in this season, and it seems like the people in the front office are just kind of already checking out two games into the year and uh, also couldn't help but think, God, how awful is it to be a Miami sports fan right now? Because the, 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 the Marlins have been just tanking for like the last ever. I mean, like, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it, basically the, uh, the last three years and they getting rid of all their top players and then Dwayne Wade just retired and the heat sucks. So uh, this is just a brutal time to be a Miami sports fan in general. But I, I think this, this tanking situation and I think they are doing their damnedest to make sure that they get that number one overall pick. Right. Yeah, to to attack Veloa decides he's going to come back for his senior year, not wanting to go to Miami. Uh, I could definitely see that. But yeah, to go back on the draft capital, man, like they're going to have next year they'll have their own pick, the Texans pick, and the Steelers pick in the first round. They'll have their own plus the Saints pick in the second. Their own plus a compensatory pick from the Broncos, I believe. They have the Titans' fourth-round pick. They have um, two traded fifth-round picks, and they have two in the sixth and the seventh. That's incredible. That's just 2020. 2021, they have two in the first, two in the second from the Texans. (laughs) It's incredible, man. Like, they are in the – they're – you could obviously see what their plan is. And I saw, I think it's uh, Xavier Howard sent the, uh, the gif of uh, uh, Will Smith at the end of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in the open room by himself. <laughs> I thought that was the tweet of the day, dude. I love it. That, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Cause I know I, I kind of listened to their GM speak about it as far as, you know, we're, we're, they're, they're speaking plainly as far as we are wanting to get back to winning sooner than later. So for all the fans who are probably thinking, what are you doing? We're going to, you know, go over this year. They're probably going to be the second team in NFL history to go in 16, but, but it's one of those things, man. There's always that, you know, you just got to hit rock bottom before you, you, you know, you, you ascend back up into relevancy, I guess. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of other good games this week for sure. Um, I do obviously want to keep an eye on what the Falcons can do with the Colts since we'll, we'll be playing them next – the Titans will be playing them next week. Um, but, yeah, we're getting close to our hour mark here, fellas. Uh, just want to grab any other thoughts that you guys might have before we close this thing out. No, man. Uh, looking forward to a good weekend. College football starts at noon. Get ready for Vols, Florida. It's It's a rivalry, even though both teams are a little bit reeling. Uh, I guess the last thought I would have was uh, quickly to wrap it up. What are your thoughts on uh, Eli Manning's career as it obviously seems to be in a twilight? Uh, did, did y'all see where he is now 118 and 118 as a starter in the NFL? Yeah. That's the most mayonnaise thing. Like, I know somebody yeah. called him, like, just him and Daniel <laughs> Jones are cut from that same cloth of just, you're just 
mayonnaise. <laughs> You're just so bland and, and just but, bland. I mean, this guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame, though, and he's a 500 quarterback. That's 500 quarterback that lucked in, not lucked in. It's funny, like how he won two Super Bowls, right? And we still consider him mediocre. Incredible. I don't, I don't, it's a weird, weird narrative on Eli. Cause I, you, even, did y'all ever think like whenever he was winning those Super Bowls and winning 10 win seasons, did you guys ever think like he's elite? Uh, no, 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 not me. It's because the talent around him. When they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, it's because Michael Strahan, OCU Manure. I mean, they had a fantastic defensive line. Oh, na- they Justin were nasty. Tuck. I mean, he was he was one of those guys. Justin Tuck was just like, this is the prototypical football player. You know, huge the, arm reach, all that stuff. He was incredible. The one time he looked to really be taking that next step was after they won that first Super Bowl in 2008. And he came out blazing, and the Giants looked awesome the next year and started off like uh, like eight and three or something like that. And then Plexico Burr shot, shot himself in the leg. And, <laughs> I forgot. And, and, then he said that, and then he was back to average after that. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, Plexico Burris, he was always a really good pick on Madden. Like, if you ever did a fantasy draft, you're just like, yeah, that's my dude. He was always like, you know, they had him listed like 6'4", but he looked like he was seven foot on the freaking NFL games. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> all righty, y'all. Let's wrap this thing up. For everyone listening, you can find all the links to our Twitter pages in our bio. I've actually learned how to do that now. Uh, so we can save you the, the mouthful there. Uh, make sure and find chat10sports.com. You can find all of our articles, podcast links, social media feeds. For myself, Trey Wynn, Chase Green, and Brooks Carter, fellas, thanks again for another episode. Make sure and hit subscribe, and we'll check you guys again next week. See you guys. Later.